This is the final episode of Season 1 of Catalyst, an investigative podcast from KXAN News and Nextar Media Group. I'm Josh Hinkle. This season is about the case of Jamie Mayberry, a young man labeled by police as a crossdresser who disappeared from his home in Kennedy, Texas in April 1999. His case led us through thousands of others across the state to discover problems in the way some law enforcement agencies track missing persons. It was my last day in Kennedy, the day I met Stephen Monsivais, the former officer who'd searched the cemetery with his friend, the late police chief, 20 years ago. That is a long time. And the older I get, the quicker time passes by, it feels like. Remember, they'd heard a rumor someone might have hidden Jamie's body there among the graves. He says they didn't find anything, but couldn't rule out the possibility something might have happened to Jamie there. He was last seen in his own driveway, getting into a strange truck with an unknown man and driving off into the darkness. You want to have closure. It's like a nightmare that never ends. Who was in that truck? Jamie's missing persons report listed three names as suspects. Police won't tell us if they believe those people picked Jamie up. They do say today none of them are considered suspects, but maybe witnesses. Two are cousins, both dead ends. One of them is nowhere to be found, and the other moved away and is apparently in such poor health he can no longer speak clearly. We tried contacting him with no luck. That left one name on the list. Someone we learned was probably still in the area, a woman named Diana Perez. Sometimes it takes a little elbow grease to try to track people down and sometimes they're hiding in plain sight. When we ran a criminal history search on Diana Perez, I got a strange feeling about being in that cemetery. See, court records show the year after Jamie went missing, Diana was arrested and later convicted of aggravated kidnapping and robbery in a different case. She was 23 and went to prison for nearly 11 years. The Kennedy police officer who wrote the report said he met up with an elderly man after the incident. He had a swollen lip and was visibly shaken and scared. The officer said, I noticed his hands were trembling and he was moving his left shoulder as though it was hurting him. I also noticed him spitting blood while I walked up. Photos of the man were attached to the report and his face is badly bruised and swollen. The officer continued that the man told him that over the last three weeks, he loaned Diana Perez money. When it was time to pay him back, Diana and two men showed up at his house and made him get into a car with them. Diana was driving. When the man asked where they were going, she told him the cemetery. The man said he didn't want to go to the cemetery. Someone grabbed his head, pulled it back to the seat, and covered his face and nose with either gloves or rags. He began kicking and yelling and feared for his safety. At an intersection, he was finally able to break free and jump out of the car. One of the other men hit him in the lip, and the officer noted numerous scratches and abrasions around his neck. They'd also taken his keys and wallet, which contained at least $700. The case file also included Diana's signed statement to Chief Irvin Snell, who'd been searching the year before in the cemetery for Jamie. She told the chief, after the man got out of the car, she saw him barely walking away, and she got scared that maybe he'd been injured too severely. 
like maybe he hit his head on the concrete or something. She said they talked about burning his wallet and throwing his keys in the river. So could there be a connection between that case and what happened to Jamie? It's part of what Detective Felix Casanova could ask Diana today, since he's taking a fresh look. Without talking to her to see if she, she recants or can recall what actually transpired, uh, I won't know until that time comes. How do you know that she might know something? Because uh, her name was on the report, and uh, I feel that there's something there that she might know. It's going to be one of these things that stays the way it is until I can actually sit down and visit with this individual to really see, okay, you said this back then, what really did happen? Well, what do you really know would be some of the questions that I would probably be asking her. No one was ever charged in Jamie's case, but we do know Diana was questioned. Again, police only consider her a witness today, but say they have reason to believe her story might have changed. And hopefully she could uh, shed some light into what was said on her first interview compared to what's now. Uh, has there been uh, a conscience there that's been bothering her? Or is she just making stuff up to be part of the, of the flow? I don't know. See, so that's where our concern is to try to locate this individual and talk to her. I wasn't able to make contact with her and she never returned phone calls. So I'm not sure uh, if she would be willing to talk to us or if she would change her story and to really let us know what actually transpired or what information she actually knows. There's times that it takes longer to solve a, a cold case like this. Now, would it happen here in Kennedy? Anything's possible if we get the right information. We are out in the middle of nowhere. We tracked down several addresses where we believed Diana might be living. Just a few hours after the detective told us he couldn't find her. We just go down this road, straight down this road, and then uh, take a left. We were on a dusty road, winding between the oil fields the next county over. At the last address left for us to try, no one was home. But far off in the pasture, a tractor was approaching. I decided to wait. Maybe the man behind the wheel had seen me. Hey there. Looking for Diana Perez. His directions sent us less than a mile away to a trailer house with piles of machinery and old cars all around it. Hi, are you Diana? Yes. I'm Josh, I'm a reporter from Austin. We're working on a story about Jamie Mayberry. I wondered if you might know him. You can get off my property right now, that's what you can do. Okay, is there a reason you won't you talk to me? You can get him? off my property right now. Okay. Did we you have a right to bear arms, and I'm not scared to use them, so get off my property right now. Did you know that the Kennedy get police are looking for you? Before I use force. Did you hear that? I'd been recording video on my phone, so I took a screenshot of Diana and sent it to the detective, along with a text message that said, Before we left Kennedy, I tracked down Diana Perez at a home near Three Rivers. Please let me know if you're able to reach her and move the case forward. It shows that he read the message, but he never responded. Weeks later, still nothing. Then we learned Diana was picked up on a parole violation. Something related to drugs and was in the Carnes County Jail. So I left a message with Kennedy Police Chief Rick Ash to ask if they'd be able to find her there. But he didn't speak with us for several more weeks until after this podcast launched. A few days ago, we got him on the phone. 
They had finally made contact with Diana, but she wouldn't say anything, and that's where they left it. But he added, our investigation has the town talking, and police are still looking into the case. When we called, they would tell us it's a cold case. You know, I don't know if that means open or closed, but that to me it sounds like it it's closed. closed. Jamie's brother Terry and his niece Gina say the family gave up hope finding him alive long ago, but they still want answers and justice. We know that he was murdered. He's not alive anymore. I, I just feel it. I believe it was a hate crime. Absolutely. And to them it's a joke and it's funny, and I think that they had a great time um, taking him whatever they did and doing whatever they did to him. I, I really do. But, you know, God knows we need someone to finally stand up and stop being a coward. For Jamie's sake, mm -hmm. and bring closure to this matter. Whatever you're holding in, whatever they got to tell, you know, just 20 years ago, uh, bring it out and let Jamie rest. For a town like Kennedy, they say Jamie was just before his time, openly gay, transgender, attention-grabbing. And he loved to have fun. He loved to laugh. You know, he would always crack jokes and say something really funny, you know. He would just have you laughing the whole time. I get sad when I think of the younger family members that never got to meet him. Oh, yeah. Me and my cousins talk about it all the time, like how much fun we had with him. Because he was <laughs> such a, he was a kid at heart. You know, so when we got to stay with him, oh my goodness, you know, it was like, <laughs> yeah. bye to our parents. See y'all yeah, later. Popcorn have and fun. movies and, oh, and stuff. Popcorn, yeah. movies. Um, oh, yeah. We'd be singing and dancing. And he had all, every single Judy Garland movie. Like I said, he loved her. He sang just like her, exactly like her. Tone, pitch, everything. And um, Olivia Newton-John. So we'd watch Grease over and over and over and all the Judy Garland movies over and over. And so we got so good to where we knew all the words. Yeah, and uh, I miss him. He made an impact um, more than what he thought and I'm very proud of him. Really, I think he was just getting started really, living his life. I think he would have been doing something like um, Something maybe in theater, like maybe training, Broadway you know, type stuff. Yeah, training that. some, you know, theater people, or maybe having some community theater. Or, you know, you just he he had all kinds of possibilities because he was very talented Absolutely. and he was very smart. Really think he'll be living a pretty good life. Yeah, because the, the way things have changed. Yes. Um. Oh yeah. The year Jamie disappeared, another of his nieces, Terry's daughter Sailor, was born. Today, she lives in New York, where she sings and acts and tells her parents Jamie's spirit lives on through her. My kids, boy, they would really love him. I talk about him all the time. <laughs> I really wish that wherever he's at and that I'll see him again, I have hope in that more than anything. And we'll never forget him. And he's gonna always be in my heart. We'll update you on any major developments in Jamie Mayberry's case and the progress of the Texas lawmaker now exploring legislation to require police to enter cases into the National Missing and Unidentified Person System, or NamUs. For more information about that system, to watch our investigative docuseries, and to explore more video case features from across the state, go online now to mayberrymissing.com. Catalyst is reported, produced, and edited by me, Josh Hinkle, along with Sarah Rafik, 
Arzo Dost, and Andrew Choate. Digital support for Catalyst comes from Dax Dobbs, Eric Henriksen, Nate Mills, Matt Mitchell, Ricardo Ruano, Robert Sims, and Kate Winkle. KXAN's news director is Chad Cross, and its vice president and general manager is Eric Lasberg. Thank you.